0: Our current sermon series is stuck in the same story, breaking free from the difficult and harmful patterns that prevent us from experiencing the fullness of God. And today we are going to look at your field of influence, because one of the one of the remedies to, to getting out or, or, or part of the solution for a lot of us of getting out of those ways that we're stuck. Uh, you guys can go right back to the, the youth area, okay? One of the ways to get out of that is to get busy helping people. And And, and if you don't feel like it, that's a pretty good sign that you should. <laughs> because... The enemy's always going to make it look like, oh, that doesn't matter, or you got nothing to give, or they won't care. No, don't listen to those excuses. Help other people in in small ways, in big ways, and I'm going to share today about ways that I have been blessed in my life to have an influence on others. But you have opportunities as well, so don't sell short the influencer in you. Because you can be one. The only question is this. Are you giving people a good influence, a bad influence, or maybe no influence where you should be giving a good one? And, and so th- th- that's the challenge for us today to, to look beyond, set aside the thing you're stuck in for a moment, and look around you and open up your eyes, open up your ears to people that you might be able to, to touch and to help in, in some way. <clears throat> so, as we begin, we should always begin with the end in mind. I love that phrase. Whenever you're starting out on something new and different, you want to bring change, whether it's in your own life or whether it is um, with a group of people you're working with, a church, anything at work. If you don't know what the, the result is, is the, the expected or desired result is going to look like, then, then you're not going to get very far. Because we're doing this because we want to accomplish this. Under whatever definition this is, end, this goal, this result is going to be in a good way. Because then you know which direction to step in. But if you just figure, well, I want to do something. I'll try anything. We'll see what happens. You know, it probably won't work real well. So begin with the end in mind. This is a verse... A familiar verse at the bottom of this screen from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that beautiful chapter that writes about what love is and what love is not, especially in the context of a church community, but all relationships, really. And at the end of that chapter, Paul says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, there's a connection between that verse and what I read a moment ago from one of those verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Listen to what also Paul's writing here. He says, And we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing a letter to a group of people that he knew very well. All of his letters were written to churches and individuals that he worked with. And so he would spend usually at least several months, sometimes a year or more, in one location establishing a church, establishing a group of believers, not building a structure, a building that is, but building the structure of relationships of people who have you know, found faith in Jesus and believe, and, and, and believe in the love that he's given to them. They start sharing that love with each other and with their neighbors, and it starts to change their community. And once they were ready, he'd move on and do it again in the next town. But those people, because he spent time with them, were dear to him. And so he would write them... Um, Again and again, and about things he wanted to encourage them about, or sometimes rebuke them about. In the case of especially First Corinthians, Amen. but <laughs> which is why he ended up in that place of love, because that's what matters most. They kind of forgot that there. So he's writing this, but notice the connection now between First Corinthians thirteen thirteen and First Thessalonians one three. If you look a little closer, those three words, those three words that encompass what we can take with us out of this world and what we should be doing now in anticipation of what eternity is. In other words, eternity now. Jesus, when we, we just prayed a moment ago, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the heavenly priorities are faith, hope, and love. That's what lasts. And we don't have to wait till then to experience those. In fact, the desire of God is that that we instill those into life right now, into relationships right now, into, into our family, in our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our workplace, into all that we are. We always hold before us that goal. There's the end. We begin from this, faith, hope, and love increasing and increasing. And so with those three words in mind, I want to share with you today um, your field of influence and how help others on their journey and let them help you. This is faith, hope, love, and action. Now, as a pastor and as a pastor of, of more years than I'd like to recount, I've had the blessing of, like the Apostle Paul, of ministering in other communities with other people. And one, such, one of those places is a town with a unique name, Plymouth Meeting. And if, you're, if a lot of you came from New York or the suburbs of New York, so you don't necessarily know the, the Philadelphia suburbs, but if you know Philly, you know Plymouth Meeting. This, If you ever take the northeast extension of the Pennsylvania Turnpike and go south until it ends, it ends in Plymouth Meeting. And it joins the east-west turnpike and about 14 other highways that all converge at once. It's, it's a very busy area. And um, when we lived there, there would be the hum of traffic all of the time. You could hear the highways in the distance. You couldn't see them necessarily where we lived, but there was always traffic, always traffic, always cars going by. This street we lived on was, was quite busy. Now, this is the church building. This is, it's an old building, but it, and it's not real big. It wasn't a real big congregation, but I, was, I worked there full-time. There was a senior pastor, and I was the, 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 the director of youth ministry. And behind that building, which you don't see in this picture, was a fairly large expansion they made with um, a lot of classrooms and offices and such. Uh, they built that, I think, in the 1970s. So there, there was space to do a lot of different ministry, a lot of different work there. And when I came on as youth pastor there, there was not a lot of youth in the church. There were some, there was families with kids, but they wanted the church to grow. And my job was to bring all these kids in and their parents with them. So it was a little bit of pressure, <laughs> but I, I just accepted that challenge. And, but, But that really wasn't my number one goal. My number one goal in reaching out, especially the teenagers, was not to bring them on Sunday and make sure their parents were there. Sure, I, I was all for that. I wanted them to be part of it, but the number one goal is that I want these kids to know if they never show up on Sunday or not, I want them to know that they're loved. They're loved by God. I want them to see his love in me and, and, and you know, wherever they are in life, whatever they're going through. So we started reaching out to the community and, and what I noticed right away when I moved there, this was 1987. I, I began in March of that year, and Linda and I were married in June. So she moved in re- early on and, and got busy and, uh, with, with the work of the church, um, got busy having daughters, and <laughs> all of our children were born while we lived there. We spent almost 10 years living in that house. and It's that house right there, next to the church to the right. And um, But we wanted to bring all these children in the community to the church. So we thought, let's let's do Bible school. And they had done Bible school before, but it had kind of stalled and faltered a little bit. So, well, let's change something. Instead of doing it in June, right after school ended, I mean, the kids just got out of school and you're going to put them in a classroom, you know, with with Bible studies and, you know, fun stuff. But still, let's let's wait till midsummer when the kids are bored looking for something to do and the parents are desperate for the kids to have something to do and it worked really well, and so the timing was good, the community was right for it, so we, uh, we grew the Bible school slowly but surely every summer, and back then it was two weeks long, okay, so those of you who had done our kids camp or Bible school here over the years, imagine doing it for two straight weeks. <laughs> Cynthia's getting an instant headache, <laughs> and eventually we, even there, we, we dropped down to one week, to the last couple of years I was there, but In in those first five, six years, we did 10 days. And there was a lot of moms and grandmoms that were willing to help. As the youth group grew during that time, then a lot of the teens would come to help. And it's a good thing we had a lot of help because at its peak, that summer ministry from that little church, there was one day, I remember, we had 175 children. And um, in the preschool group alone, there was 40. Yeah, can you imagine 40 preschoolers? (laughs) (laughs) And there was a beautiful woman named Grace who had such a heart and she just had patience with those children and led them. It was wonderful. So during this time, of course, uh, my main focus was the teenagers. And uh, and Linda did a lot of the children's ministry with a whole lot of help from other people as well. And as the... As the youth ministry grew, and again, the the desire of the church was that these families come to church. Some of them did, a few, but honestly, not very many. Of all those hundreds of kids, a a handful of families ended up coming on Sunday, and some of them joined. But it wasn't like this big flow of people on Sunday, and we're packing, we've got to build a new building. It wasn't like that. But like I said, that wasn't my number one priority. I wanted to reach out to these kids and let them know they're loved. And um, so... I was blessed to meet a lot of people during those years, and um, because of Facebook now, and one of the values and the good things about social media, and with me, Facebook, is that you can connect with people you haven't seen in a while or wouldn't be able to connect with otherwise. So, among my many friends are several people, a lot of people who were part of the youth ministry. Now, I'm still thinking of them as kids, okay, or teenagers, they are all pretty much in their 40s now. <laughs> a few of them are in their 50s. <laughs> so these, these are adult men and women who remember the time when Pastor Paul was their youth pastor. And so I, I sent them a, a message to the group, just that group. And I said, hey, would you guys mind sharing a couple of memories with me? I'm, I'm doing a sermon this Sunday. And. Um, you know just to, to talk about how influence people can have and and to see even the littlest of things that can make a difference and not just for pastors and youth pastors but for people so I got some good responses and what I see in these is what I hope all of you can see in your life or look for or develop an, an openness to that there's probably more people that you've touched than you realize. And as I told the children, to make sure you thank the ones who've touched you, who've helped you in big ways, in little ways. Because, you know, your your field of influence as we're all journeying in this world, and, and, and we trust in God, and we believe in Christ, but we, we have to not just have it up here, and not just sing about it, and not just, not just pray, we gotta live it out very tangible ways, and show that. And so those three words, faith, hope, and love, as they appear here in 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Paul says, your, your work produced by faith. He's, he's commending them greatly for their work produced by faith. What is the work of God? The work of God, as Jesus answers that question very directly in John 6, the work of God is to believe in the one that God has sent, Christ himself. And and even that isn't just this head thing. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I said the prayer or, you know, some form or another, I believe. Well, the, the word believe is to be living like Jesus. So it isn't just right here, it is also here in my hands, it's my voice, it's my ears, it's, it's, it's all of me, as, as Jesus says elsewhere, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if I'm doing that, then I'm being like Jesus, and that's what believing in Him is, because if you just say you believe, but your actions don't show it, then it is just a head thing, and I think you're fooling yourself. Because our, our lives should reflect the way of Christ. You're not going to do it perfectly, but that's not the point. It is the desire to reflect Jesus in all of your ways. And, and we, we can attach that more easily to the word love because we, we recognize the, the importance of love in our, in our human relationships. But the word faith, we kind of just push that to God. But you know what? If Christ is in People, if Christ is in us and in others, sometimes we have to help them draw out faith that God is in them and faith in themselves. And I don't mean trust themselves apart from God. I mean that to believe that they matter, to believe that God can use even them in some way, is an act of faith. You have to believe, well, God, can I do this? Yeah, I can. Thank you, Lord. And why did I have the courage to do that? Because maybe. Somebody gave you an opportunity. One of the responses I got from these youth group friends from many years ago is a woman named Suzanne. And um, at the time I met her, she was this smiling, petite, perky girl ready to take on the world. She'll try anything, and she'll smile and laugh all the way. One of the first youth group events she went to was a ski trip. We just went for the day to a little ski mountain, and, um, but she'd never gone before. So she gets to skis. she goes up on the, with the instructor and learns the basics, okay, 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 but she wasn't paying attention or wasn't, you know, she just wanted to go. And so she gets up on the little bunny hill, and she starts coming down the hill, and she's excited, and she thought, wait a minute, how do I stop again? So, anybody ever ski here before? That's a little scary. Okay, yeah. So, so she's, she, and she's, well, you know what? I'll just fall. So, she got to the bottom of the hill. She just rolled. And there's skis flying arms and legs in every direction. And she ducks herself up, gets up. Wow, that was fun. <laughs> and she goes back and did it again all day. She just got to the bottom of the hill and just tumbled like crazy. I, I'm, she didn't break anything, you know, <laughs> thank the Lord. But that, that, was, that was Suzanne. Well, here's what she wrote me. When I was in seventh grade, Paul gave me a part in the Vacation Bible School play. Remember those, Marie? (laughs) I developed a love for theater from that experience, and now I teach students with disabilities at a performing arts high school. You never know how the little things, like a part in a play when you were young, shape your outcome as an adult forever, forever grateful for the plan God has for me and the people he, he put in place to make it happen thank you Suzanne that was beautiful and Suzanne has a little girl that looks just like her with the same smile and probably the same take on the world attitude and it was i blessed to have be a part of that 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 she didn't necessarily see something in herself and I gave her an opportunity and that increased her faith in God and in herself in the process that she can do something. This is faith in action. The work of you know, your work produced by faith in your life. You can probably do more than you realize and you just need someone to give you the chance or someone you give an encouragement. There are probably people around you that need that same word from you, that need a pat on the back, those little things, and not just for young people. There's, there's, there's people in life that, that, that need a push, that need a, a hug, that need an encouragement, that need something to get them moving. And, and, and that smallest first step is a very hard one, but if you can help them make that step, God can help them through you. And then secondly, we have your labor prompted by love. Your labor. Love is hard work. Do I get an amen there? It is hard. Whoever came up with the phrase, fall in love? I don't know. Sometimes I want to slap them. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully we've experienced that in our life, you know, and in, 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 in love, of course, applies to all our relationships, but we first think of those romantic relationships and when that person is special and you can think about nothing else and no one else and it's like floating on a cloud as a kitten and everything's beautiful and it can always be this way. No, it can't. <laughs> And you realize that. And, and, and you have to accept that. And not that it can't still be special and good, but love takes work. Relationships take work. Hard work. And I know I've used this example before, but I'll say it again because it's worth repeating. any time that you've been in on a conversation with someone you care about, and maybe if there's two or three, four of you really trying to help that person or maybe trying to help two people come back together and, you know, and, and learn to forgive and, and see what's getting in the way. And, and, and that conversation could go on for an hour, two hours, or more. When that conversation is over, how do you feel physically? Enjoying. You're exhausted. Because love is hard work. And you never would have got into that conversation if it wasn't for love. <laughs> love is hard work. And the acts of love, and, and, and that's the one that is more obvious, but the, the smaller ways of love that you don't realize make a difference. And this is what I said a moment ago about in, in the sense of your influence, you're either good influence or bad influence or no influence, like, and you should be. Okay, so, so are there times we are so focused on ourselves that we don't see someone that we can help? And, and it doesn't mean to fix the world for them. It just means maybe just be nice. Maybe, maybe that smile and the pat in the back and the how you doing doing helps a person who was this close to just going over the edge. That, oh, wow, there is someone in this world that cares. Well, thank you. And maybe they don't even say thank you. That's why it always matters some of these other responses um melanie said this i remember always feeling loved and accepted for who i was um melanie is a um she does music therapy um and uh, she's just a just a wonderful a wonderful woman and and got a beautiful daughter and uh, and a great husband, and I'm happy to see what she's done with her life and and to have, again, a small role to play in it. But the fact that that she saw Christ in me because accepted for who I was, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the way Jesus sees you, right? So why is it that sometimes we're tempted to hold back from other people because of their appearance, because of their certain characteristic, because of a certain behavior, because, you know, whatever it might be, their thing, we hold back love because, oh, that person, well, once they get their act together, then I'll love them. Thankfully, that's not how Christ treated us. And so I'm glad that God enabled me to welcome Melanie and these others in that way, you know, all these years ago. Bob said this, Youth group and your ministry provided us with a safe, friendly experience with God and beyond. Drew said, You've loved and shaped so many people, so many minds, many paths. Giving thanks is a way to know someone's heart. Both Bob and Drew are, are, are uh, love music. And I know Drew tours with uh, one of those Irish rock bands. Uh, <laughs> And he plays that really long instrument, a dig, diggeradoo, dig, I don't know how to say it. It's like a long flute. He, he's going to get mad at me because I couldn't say it right. <laughs> but um, and he expresses passion through music. Um, love. It's worth the work. And it always is work. And then also, your endurance inspired by hope. Because love is laborious, because love takes hard work, endurance is necessary. But we always have to see hope. We always have to see something and people have to see, again, even in the smallest of ways, that somebody cares that that there is good in the world. Um, another, another beautiful analogy I've used before is, is light and darkness. Um, there, there's not a match that I can strike that's going to instantly make this room dark. I can turn a switch off, but it won't turn the sun off outside, okay? Because light is powerful. But in the opposite, if it was night and there was no lights on at all or even lights on outside or no moonlight if I light a match and light a candle you can see all around this room at least enough to see the room because that's how powerful light is so the smallest light in entered into the deepest darkness still shines brightly you can see candlelight. light. If, if everything was completely pitch black for this distance, you can see the light of one tiny candle as far as 10 miles. That's how, that's the power of light over darkness. That's the power of your small, little, seemingly meaningless, insignificant, kind word, word of encouragement, hug for someone, email, card in the mail, Whatever, choose your way to communicate it with words or without. When we show love, that light always matters. It can always make a difference. There's also someone named Butch from that youth group. Butch was uh, at everything. He was there from day one. And um, he had knee troubles, uh, severe knee troubles, and he had surgery and uh, his, his ligaments and weren't growing properly, and because of that, uh, he would go into these excruciating muscle spasms in his knee. I mean, like he was on the ground in pain, and, and it would happen. And, and we, we prayed for him and over him, and it, it kept happening, and he thought there was something wrong with him. And, of course, he'd get embarrassed when it would happen at church, especially in a youth group event or something like that, or during Bible study, both of which happened more than once. He eventually had surgery, and he wrote this. He said, "I also remember Paul bringing Ken and Steve to my hospital room, and I think we played Monopoly on my chest. I was in the hospital for five days, and at, at least five days, and that was probably the best day I had. And I asked Butch if I could share this memory. He didn't put this in the in the comments string with all these other people, but um, I, I private messaged him, and he." said I could do so. Um, When we were going to a concert, it was late at night coming home. And we stopped at a mini mart because teenagers always want junk food. And so did Pastor Paul then. You know, but, (laughs) and so we pile out and then the kids are rooming about and someone said, hey, where's Butch? I don't know, where's Butch? And I had a bad feeling now, when he has those things, if he's able to, he, he gets away as fast as he can. He, he's embarrassed, so he wants to get at an isolated location. So the only isolated location he could find was behind this mini-mark. And um, there was actually kind of a field there. And I went back there, and sure enough, there he is on the ground, writhing in pain again. And just, just asking me, why has this happened to me, Paul? And it was one of those moments where prayer wasn't enough. I'm not discounting prayer. But he didn't need me to say another prayer for his knee. You know what he gave me? What God gave me, and I, I, it wasn't a conscious thought, but it was sort of a hindsight thing. The, the, God's wisdom kind of ruled the moment and I felt so bad for him and he's in pain again and we're on this field in this little town and no one's around and I just sat with him and then eventually it ends and he has to catch his breath and okay you ready to go back okay we'll go he had so much courage because sometimes hope to Instill to strengthen hope in people's lives might mean just sitting with them in their pain. Not trying to find an answer, not trying to find the clever thing to say, not trying to find the verse, maybe not even praying with them, but being there. I don't say don't pray, but you know, pray without ceasing, you are praying. But but you're, in a sense then, you're being the answer to the prayer, because what that person needs is you to be there. They don't need your words, they need your presence. To sit with people in their pain is, is such a powerful act of love and of hope and here's when I asked Butch's permission to to share that story this is what he said those experiences and pain and surgery deepened my own faith and have and I have used that to witness to many others and many times you helped me a great deal by just being there, but I never really knew what anyone else thought of me or if I was just crazy. In many ways, I try my best to forget my ages 15 to 25, but those years are where God stripped me of any self reliance and pride. I'm amazed how God has used. a broken person like me. I continue to suffer from other joint issues. And now I'm pretty sure my overseas trips have ended. But I owe you a lot, Paul. Butch is really good with computers. (laughs) And he... um, um, that's his, it's been his work as, as an adult. And, uh, and he loves Christ, and he loves the church, and he loves the, the helping the gospel get around the world. And he's been to uh, other countries, uh, especially India, to help the church there with computer stuff for the church. And he's not able to do that anymore. But well, what a testimony. And all I did was sit in the grass Wait and be there. The journey of faith, hope, and love is both an end and a means. Remember these three things your walk has an influence. It might be good, it might be bad, and it might be absent, but you have an influence. You have a family. You got a neighborhood. You have people at work. You have connections. You have friends on social media. You have whatever you have in your life. You have, you cross paths with how many dozens or hundreds of people or whatever it might be on a regular basis. They know you, you know them. What kind of influence are you? And and you don't gotta be a pastor or a youth pastor. Every one of us is capable, and not only capable, but I think we have a responsibility to to set aside our own stuff long enough to to jump into somebody else's stuff. I don't mean inappropriately so. I mean to to see what's going on and and just to be an encourager, just to sit with them quietly in their pain And, and to pray when they ask you to pray or pray with them when they ask you to pray. Do all of those things, and and you are then making a difference that you don't know how big or little it is now or will be later. I think when we all get into eternity with Christ, we're going to be blown away by the little things we did in this world that we don't even remember doing and how that moment changed a life or touched a life or moved them along. There's probably people who have done that for you, and so I hope today that you'll do what I told the kids to do, to go say thank you to somebody. Send them a text, call them, here's something old-fashioned, buy a card and write it. You know what, those are really starting to make a comeback, because the digital stuff is too easy. But when someone takes the time to pick out a card and pay for the card, and dang, they're expensive now too, but so what? It's worth five bucks or eight bucks or whatever it is. Get the card. Find their address. Write it down. Go to the post office. Get a stamp and send it to them. But say something, thank you for whatever it is. Don't preach at them. Just say thank you. I sends a message, but find a way. It doesn't have to be that, but, but do that and, and stay on the path. We're in this journey together, aren't we? And don't walk alone, and, and walking alone is a lie anyway. You don't walk alone. You just pretend that no one else is around. Right? That, that old phrase, no man, no woman is an island, is, is absolutely true. You you interact with people or you're ignoring the people you can and should be interacting with, but they're there. They're there. So that's what I wanted to share with you today about influence. The journey toward eternal faith, hope, and love begins now. So find a way to be that to someone else. Father, thank you for this place for the people here. Thank you for those watching or listening at home. Bless their lives. Thank you for the lives that you enabled me to touch. You know, so many years ago in suburban Philadelphia. Thank you for them. Bless them, and uh, help each of us to recognize that we don't have to be a, a, a pastor to make a difference. In fact, all of us matter so much to you. And help us to be a difference to someone in Jesus' name. Amen.